Hey, hey, we're back here with Mark. How's it going? Very good, very good. Yeah, so I, I didn't feel like I could preach in my bright green Sasquatch shirt. <laughs> Wait, what do you think? You think they told us muted it's, it's colors. Totally, it's, yeah, it's totally okay. It is? Well, I decided it would be better for me to go back home and get the exact same shirt you were wearing. Well, because we color coordinate. That's what we try to do. Well, that's what we they, just told, the, they, they told us. An excellent sir. Muted. I told Heidi, she, she picks out my shirt. And I say, I don't know, dark and muted, whatever that means. Well, there's only so many colors that are dark and muted, right? I don't even know what it means. <laughs> I know what dark means, obviously. All right, so we've been doing this series, man. We've been talking about going through faith and fear and these kinds of things. And so we're in Judges today. And I remember when I first studied Judges, uh, the person that was leading me talked about this, this cycle that they would go through. Where, you know, they're, they're, they're doing the right thing, and then suddenly they would fall into sin. Uh-huh. And then a judgment from God would come. So sin then judgment, and then repentance, and then God would come and deliver them. And like the whole book of Judges is just that over and over and over again. So you're doing fine, and then suddenly you're not, then the judgment of God comes, then you feel we're bad about it, and then God comes in and helps you. So I've decided that really the book of Judges is the least relevant book in all the scriptures. <laughs> Doesn't have anything to do with us. I don't know anybody, I don't know anybody who does that. I don't know anybody who lives their life that way. I don't. So we're 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 talking about. Uh, so we're in one of these cycles right now, and um, they they've been they've been sinning against God. And the Midianites is this other group of people that have come into the Israelites and are um, been oppressing them, been hurting you know. And so now now they're totally scared, and so they're they're hiding in caves and doing all these things. And finally, after seven years of this, they. Um, they're in the repentance set of the cycle, and they've kind of reached out to God, and God is now asking them for, God is now to bring them some deliverance. And so usually, again, the judges, God will pick out a particular person or a group of people to come alongside them and bring them out. So they're now in this repentance cycle, and the repentance part of the cycle, and now they're looking for God's deliverance. And so God is picking a guy named Gideon, and so we are in... Judges chapter 6, starting in verse 11. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat underneath the terebinth at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abrazite. Can we just say, I mean, like, come on now. (laughs) That's the reason you're reading the scriptures. (laughs) (laughs) If you just go confidently, you just got to be confident. Yeah, I'm impressed, man. Ophrah and Joash the Abrazite, while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the wine press to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. There's a a real interesting contrast right there. Mm -hmm. He is hiding. He's a farmer, obviously. He's got wheat. He's he's getting ready to make bread or whatever. Rather than doing it out, he's in the wine press, hiding so nobody will see him. And then the, the angel says what? O mighty man of valor. Mighty man of valor, hiding in a hole. All right. And Gideon said to him, Please, sir, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. So we're introduced here to the person that theoretically God is going to bring deliverance to the Israelites to, a guy named Gideon. And when we were talking about this, I kind of picked this as one of the four stories we wanted to do, and then your eyes got real big. Mm-hmm. And then you said, this is my absolute favorite story. So I guess my question yes. is, 
what 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 is it about him, the story that you that you like so much? Yeah, I get a little bit giddy about Gideon. Can you, can you was that me? an intentional play on words? <laughs> it's Did actually you, on my notes. Is it really? <laughs> I, don't, I don't. I don't see it there. That's, I, I see, don't have you, yeah, my humor is not really. Yeah, it's, it's subpar. But I have said before, I really like the Rocky movies, right? And Gideon is like my, you know, my main verse, my main, my main story that proves that God does too. Mm. He, he, he loves Rocky. He loves the underdog. Mm. So it's, it's the underdog. It's, the, it's this underdog story, which is not, it's not like Gideon's alone and this story is the only one. I mean, it's just all over the scriptures. That there's the one, the least, the one that you would least expect, when, the one that all the odds are stacked against. You know, the, that story where God steps in in his power and his presence, it, it changes the game. But Gideon is just this picture where he, God says some things and does some things that just brings so much attention to that's what he's doing. He is, he is stacking the deck against, against Gideon, you know? And, and even in that Rocky story, one of the things I love, Rocky 1, is when he's looking at it one way and he's talking to Adrian before the fight. I won't try to speak Rocky, but he's talking to Adrian before the fight, and he basically says, man, I'm going to have to view this differently than the way that I've been viewing it. And, you know, the start of this story, I mean, he is. He's in a wine press, uh, you know, threshing wheat, which is just, he's protecting it because the Midianites would come in, and if they saw it, they would just take it. They would just ravage the land. So he's protecting it, and he's scared. And you can tell from the rest of that, too, that God says, um, you know, I'm with you. And he's like, what do you mean you're with us? Yeah, what, what about those stories we heard about the way you, you know, took care of our people and got us out of Egypt and we're with, yeah, that, those stories, but I'm, in my lifetime and looking around me, I'm not seeing that. I'm not seeing you with us. And, um, and then that God would speak to him and say, instead of all that, he would look at him and say, you mighty man of, of courage, of valor. It just tells us, if you're, if you're a note taker, uh, maybe the thing to write down here is faith over fear is recognizing that our vision is just limited. You know, Gideon's looking at his situation, and as he looks at it, it appears that God is not present. As he looks at himself, he, he sees somebody who's, he doesn't see a mighty man of valor. And yet, God steps into it, this angel of the Lord comes to him, and says something different about his situation. And just recognizing that what God sees in his perspective, and this has been a kind of a theme of the things we've been talking about, that his perspective is different and so much bigger than ours. We are so limited in what we're able to see. All Gideon can see is what he's experienced and what he's experiencing and the fear that he feels in his heart. And it's hard for him to, to see from God's perspective that our massive God, that his massive God is, is present and is in control, even in the midst of something that feels chaotic. You know? That's really good. That's really good. And so, so he gives him this weird greeting, you know, mighty man of valor to the dude who's, who's hiding. You know, and, and, and Gideon's response is this question. Well, if, if this is true, then where has God been? What's up with God? Why has God abandoned us? Which is kind of one of my little favorite kind of sub-themes of the Bible is the way that God responds to why <laughs> questions. Like Job did that a little bit. And when we talked about before, throughout the book, and then he just rebukes him and says, where, where were you when I created the world? Uh, the father of John the Baptist essentially does that, and God makes him mute for the entire pregnancy of his, of his wife. 
and and you just you just see that God doesn't really take kindly to it. So he he, he yeah. does that. Well, let's just see what let's see what let's see what the answer he gets is here. Judge six, Judge six, um, verse fourteen. So so he asks him like, "Where have you been? You have forsaken us, right?" Verse fourteen, and the Lord turned to him and said, "Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you?" So he just he ignored the question. Just ignored it. Which is actually really good for Gideon. Yeah. It's better than Job got. It's better than Zechariah got. I mean, he, this is just, he just, he just ignores the question entirely. He's like, it, moving on is kind of essentially what he's doing. And he said to him, please, Lord, it's Gideon, please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, but I will be with you. And you shall strike the Midianites as one man. Now, this is an interesting thing. You know, like Moses makes a complaint. It's like, hey, you're sending me to do this thing. I'm not a very good talker. I mean, it's a legitimate complaint. Mm-hmm. And now he's like, Gideon, I'm going to send you to do this huge, great, incredible thing. He's like, well, honestly, we're not that big of a deal, so nobody's going to listen to us. And even in our family that no one thinks highly of, I'm the worst one in that family. I can't even get my... I can't even get my younger siblings to listen to me. <laughs> and so this doesn't make sense. This, this is like, they're valid. I mean, and you, what do you do with that? What do you do with that? Yeah, I mean, it really, it taught me a lot just studying back through this and thinking about the way that God just, just ignores the question. He just, he just pushes right past it like, like boy, I'm God. And that thing that you're saying, even though, yeah, you're right. I mean, all those things from my perspective, if I, if I was getting and I was looking at myself, those are the things that I'm afraid of when I view myself. My clan is the weakest. I'm the weakest of that bunch. Um, I know that my, my knees are shaking and trembling in fear right now in the situation that we're in. And you're calling me a mighty man of valor. And you're saying that I'm going to go do this incredible thing. And I don't feel like that person and instead of God giving, even giving it any uh, weight, he just, he just passes by it. Mm. Um, but then also, uh, you know, he says, again, the X factor, I am, I am with you, but I am with you. And maybe just a thing to, uh, to remember here, faith over fear is believing what God says about us. And one of the big things that he said to Gideon that he also says of us is that he is, he is present with us. And when he is present with us, then the whole game changes. And so all the things, while we may look at it one way and we may be able to say that all these things are true and clearly see our weaknesses, it appears from the scriptures and from this story that that's actually a strength. I recognize my weakness and I recognize that my only hope is this presence of this almighty God, you know? It almost seems like like, it, it feels like what, again, but I guess just because of my personality and what I'm like. I mean, like, like God's trolling him a little bit. Mighty man of valor hiding in this hole. And then he's like, why did you leave us? And he says, go in this strength of yours and go to, it's like, it's like, every, it's like, it's like, you, you want to think, it feels like, like if, if we were talking this way, it would be, we'd be mocking him. Right. But that's not what God's doing. He is... He, he sees something in Gideon that Gideon doesn't see. Mm-hmm. And he is calling him up to something greater 
that is in him that he doesn't see, but that God sees, mm. which I think is really, really cool. Mm. And so then he's like, so now he's got this big, now he's got this big plan. He's like, you're just, you're just a nobody. How do you go from a nobody in your own family in a clan that's a nobody to raising up an army to conquer the oppressors? And so this is the task, at least the first part of the task, Judges 6, uh, verse 25 and 26. That night the Lord said to him, Take your father's bull and the second bull, seven years old, and pull down the altar of Baal that your father has, and cut down the Asherah that is beside it, and build an altar to the Lord your God on on the top of the stronghold here, with stones laid in due order. Then take the second bull and offer it as a burnt offering with the wood of the Asherah that you cut down. So Baal, if you're ever reading through the Old Testament, you're going to see Baal and Asherah a lot. Essentially, you know, these, these are gods and tools of worshiping other gods that they would have. And, and so there were just these other uh, deities out there that, that the Israelites would just kind of go to worship. That were worshipped by other people in the area and, the, and these practices would come in. And it just seems like everything, like you go through First Kings Chronicles, it's always about tearing down the altars of the Baals and ripping down the Asherah poles just mm-hmm. over and over again. And so in his family and in his town, there was obviously, amongst his clan, there was worship of these, of, of these false gods. And they had the idols and the poles set up for this worship. And so he says, here's what I want you to do. First thing I want you to do, I want you to tear all that down in, in your little area and build an altar to the Lord and sacrifice a bull there. And so I'm sure, again, Gideon's thinking, I'm the, I'm the weakest one here. I can't do this. But he does it, but he does it at night mighty man of valor mm-hmm. so that no one will find out but it's like apparently somebody must have known because it woke up the next morning and it was like who did this and somebody knew it was Gideon Gideon did it and so they're about to go after him which totally makes sense and then Gideon's dad kind of steps up for him which is kind of cool mm-hmm. and says I-, I thought we're talking about a god here if a god wanted to defend himself a god a god could but he doesn't and so they kind of backed off a little bit genius by, by his dad yeah and so, and so then it's kind of like, so then it goes to the, the next, uh, so then whatever, I guess that story spreads. And so suddenly he's now able to kind of uh, uh, raise up this army. So he starts with um, being a nobody, does this thing in his own clan, and is now able to kind of raise up this army. So this is a big thing God asked him to do. What, what do we learn from that? What do we learn from this overwhelming task and series of tasks and mission that God has called Gideon to, what do we learn from that? Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing to me that he says, you're going to go save Israel from Midian. And then the thing he tells him to do, I mean, if I was writing the story or if I was looking at the next thing, I would say, okay, so then he's going to go and somehow go after Midian. But what God says is, take your daddy's bulls, pull down the temple, and then burn them on top of that, right? As hmm. a sacrifice to me. Which, man, it's like he's going back to his own house and doing this thing that if, I mean, I don't know I would be able to put the pieces together that this is going to result in that thing that you said I was going to do. So it seems like a really interesting step for him to take. And, and he does it at night. Uh, st- still, he's afraid. But what's amazing to me is Gideon does it. Mm. I mean, evidently there is that that courage, that God-given strength to take, take that obedience of that next step. And faith over fear is about that, that taking that, that next step of obedience. 
Because God, in this story, and I don't know about your experience, but for sure in my life, man, it's never 20 steps down in the full picture that I get. Mm-hmm. It's always listening and being able to see what is, that, what is that next thing that he's calling me to do. God, please give me courage to take that step. And a lot of times that step doesn't seem to have anything to do with that big picture. But, and it seems odd and it seems strange and it seems really scary. But that's the thing. And then God uses it because evidently, and, and this, this daddy, I just love his play, man. It's brilliant. <laughs> It's like, man, what do y'all, you don't, don't hurt him. If, if Baal's so big, can't he defend himself? And because of that, he gets this name that then when he calls the other tribes together, they're like, oh man, that's that guy that took on Baal. Mm. And all of a sudden the weakest becomes this voice that rallies all the people together, you know? You just wonder, I like, I, I want to overanalyze this poor guy Gideon, but it's like, you wonder what were the voices in his head that were telling him he couldn't? Because God says you can, and like you said, he did. And his dad looked at that and said, "Something." I respect, I respect that. And so I don't, I mean, like I said, is that, when, is that when he finally gained the approval of his dad or, or whatever? I mean, like this is way, way off, but there's just, there's just something. He had something. Mm-hmm. And that's God a, saw courage, it. Man. God saw it and brought it out. And like you said... All it took for him was is just one step of obedience, and then suddenly the something you didn't know was there that God knew was there. He's bringing it out in you. Mm. I, I I just I just love that. I mean, it's like we got we got a whole bunch of people out there that are so applicable. M- mighty mighty people of courage, mighty people of morality, of strength, of patience, of grace, of forgiveness. They they have these qualities in them, and God sees them, and He's drawing them out. Mm. And one step of obedience. Yeah, and the big picture is is overwhelming to us. It would have been overwhelming to Gideon if he if he saw the rest of the story. And but God just gave him that next step. Man, do this, you know. So now we're to the point where Gideon has has put together this army, right? He's got the, he's got this big army. So we I mean obviously we know what happens next. He's got an army. And there's this oppressive people. He's going to take his army and go fight that army. And God will be with them. And the armies will fight. And God will be with them. And our army will beat their army. That's the end. That's, that's where we should be in this story. Mm. But, I mean, I guess spoiler for them. Spoiler for us. That's not what happens. What, <laughs> God, what, what, happens. what happens is something incredibly unexpected. Chapter 7, verses 2 and 3. The Lord said to Gideon, The people with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hand, lest Israel boast over me, saying, My own hand has saved me. Now therefore proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and trembling, let him return home and hurry away from Mount Gilead. Then 22,000 of the people returned, and 10,000 remained. Now that is what, that, that's it's crazy. So you've got an army of 32,000 people. You've rallied this great thing. And you're Gideon and you're thinking, I can't believe this happened. God is awesome. Maybe I am a mighty man of valor. I've got 32,000 people army I'm now leading. And God's response is, your army is too, yeah, too many. big. You've got too many people in your army. And so he sends anybody who's scared, 22,000 people go home. Maybe that's a different sermon. Like how did how those 22,000 people get there? But I don't know. And so, so he tells the scaredy cats to go home. And, and then he says this, verse 4, Judges 7. 
The Lord said to Gideon, The people are still too many. Take them down to the water, and I will test them for you there. And any one of whom I say to you, uh, This one go with you shall go with you, and any one of whom I say to you, This one shall not go with you shall not go. So, so then what he does, this is really funny, this is like a weird part of the story. He said, go down to the river and tell everybody to get a drink. And there's two groups of people. How would you get water? How would, if you were going to drink from a river, where? I think I would, I would cup it with my hands. Yeah, so there's two people. There's the, there's the hand cuppers, and then there's the dog lappers, I guess. <laughs> people just kind of, like, like oh, <laughs> you know, okay. I, I, and so, man, and so, so God just splits them up. Yeah. With using this thing that there's no way, Brendan and I were talking about this yesterday, like there's no, it's not like Gideon could have looked at, it, at the bunch. I mean, his first division was scaredy cats go home. So then you got, hey, you lost 22,000, but you got this 10,000, and this 10,000 is stout. I mean, they stayed, the line was drawn, and they stayed. The next round could be, hey, now Gideon just picked me 300. But if he had done that, he'd gone, oh, man, that guy's bigger, that guy, you know, that guy, we know that guy's good with a sword. This <laughs> which 300 did he get the, you know? the, the people who acquire water from a river a particular <laughs> and that, made that, them that, quali- that, that qualifies that, that is a qualifying I mean is this not you don't think this military training in the US Army is what they <laughs> this is what you're supposed to do general you take I mean, that would be amazing how do you pick Navy SEALs <laughs> how do they drink from the yeah. <laughs> whether or not you hold your pinky out when you drink from a cup <laughs> I don't know so 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 clearly so he's he's gone from um Thirty-two thousand to ten thousand, now to ultimately three hundred. Why? Why would God do this? Why would in, why would God intentionally make this more difficult for Gideon? One thing I love about about this passage or this this part of the story is that God tells us. He says, "If you got victory with this many this many men, you would be tempted to say it was because of your strength, because of your hand." And I am going to make sure that that's not the case. That when this thing is said and done, I'm going to leave no doubt that it was me, God, me and my power and not you and your strength or the strength of, of your men. And so he does, man. He sends the scaredy cats home. Then he, he does this crazy thing and then it gets down to just this, just this band of 300. It's like, man, this is, this is not possible. Exactly. That's what God was trying to do. He was setting the stage where there were, the odds were so far against them that nobody could make any case that it was something that they had accomplished. But everybody had to stop and say, our God has done this. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, in our, this series, Faith Over Fear, um, you know, faith over fear is denying the odds uh, for the glory of God. That this is where God dwells in this place where there is, it is impossible because he's the one that does things that are impossible, mm. you know. That's really good. And so I love, I love the way the story, I love the way the story plays out. So now he's got three hundred people, and so the the Midianites are all in this camp. And so at night they go up, and now they're up high above this camp, and then they've got they've got all these noisemakers, right? Like pots and clay things and yeah, and, and tra- yeah. They, yeah, just, they've just, got horns and clay pots, and so at this moment. Like above at the top, kind of there in the bottom of this canyon, there up here, they smash these clay pots and then start blowing these trumpets. And I can only imagine, like you're in the bottom of a, of a you know, you're, you're in the bottom and you're surrounded by these mountains, how loud that must That'd have be. been, right? 
And so the trumpets and, and, the, and the clay pots break and, and this noise just echoes throughout there and the Midianites wake up terrified. So what, what are you thinking? Like you're a Midianite, you wake up in the middle of the night and, and you hear that. What are you thinking? Yeah, you're, you're not thinking. You're thinking we're, we're under attack and, and you should totally go back and read the story too because there's this, this whole exchange where uh, Gideon's still struggling to believe and he goes down and he listens to, to them and one of the guys, one of the enemy army, uh, one of the guys, he's, got, he's had a dream and he knows that, and so Gideon knows that they're already afraid and that gives him faith to go back and lead them to go do this. And so, so there is fear already in that camp. Mm. So when they heard that, oh man, it's on. You know? You're not thinking there's 300 people above me. Right. I'm thinking there's Within. tens of thousands of people surrounding me. So you wake up in the middle of the night, and it's not like there is, you know, one, it's the middle of the night, so it's dark. You're surrounded by these, these hills or whatever, so you're not getting necessarily a whole lot of light, and there's certainly not street lamps. <laughs> right? You're scared to death. There's not a whole lot of light. And next thing you know, I'm, I'm attacking the first part... Uh, I'm attacking the first person I see with a sword, mm-hmm. which happens to be my, uh, my my compatriot who is just in the tent next to me. Mm-hmm. And they essentially take themselves out, which just by itself is a brilliant strategy. Mm-hmm. And it could have just, it could have just been that, right? He could have just been, Gideon, I've got this mm-hmm. super cr- incredible plan. And I only need you to get 300 people, and I promise it's going to work. And explain it to him, and I'd be like, that's genius. And I'm going to do this thing, make sure they're scared, and I'll take care of it. And then went through a lot of extra steps to get to what was just this really interesting plan. So we, we've got all this, and they, and they turn it up. So this is all just crazy. God goes through all these extra steps. He makes it intentionally hard. He's taking Gideon through this, this, this crazy process. So what do we do? What, how do I apply this? What is, what, is, what is the point of this for me? Yeah, I mean, just reflecting on it myself, I, I just see how much I'm exactly like Gideon. <laughs> And how every step of it, it seems so much just a process that I need to work myself through. Like, man, I am. Um, and just as an example, the, the chaos and the, and the crisis that we're in right now, there, there are so many ways that I could look around me and say, oh man, this is broken and that's broken and this is tough and that's tough and this trial and that trial and look at myself and, and feel inadequate. And there's just this constant reminder, man, I need to stop and remember he is, he is with us. He is powerful and present. He gives peace. And I need to, I need to rest in that and trust. And then um, looking at my life and having the courage, I mean, for a guy to say to me or to us, oh, mighty man of valor, I feel like I would probably laugh a little bit because I know my own heart and I know how nervous and anxious and scared I am with so many different areas of my life. But this trust that even the ones that seem like that the cards are so stacked against, that the odds are so big, that my God, that's what he does. He thrives in those kind of settings. So yeah, make the odds bigger. Mm. Yeah, it just got tougher. Okay, I can't wait to watch him show up, you know? Uh, we just need to just to live that way, you know? Right. And that next step of obedience to really listen and to not worry about the things that are down the road, but to really identify what that is and ask God for clarity and then just bow up and have the courage to do that thing, 
you know? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that we would be talking about people who are people who are hiding. Because I think there's a lot of us who probably feel that way. Like, I'm hiding, I'm kind of cowering, I'm, I, I don't know what to do. And trust God, you know? I mean, I, I, I trust God that whatever is next for me, that I believe, I, I, I believe Him, I believe that He's with me. You know, and in a, in a, in a, in a non-virus world, you know, there are still a lot of us hiding in a hole. You know, there, there right now, and I'm not calling out obviously anybody in particular. Right now, there are two people sitting next to each other on a couch, and even though they're only you know, 12 inches away from each other, there's a mile between them. And mighty man of valor, grab that woman's hand and tell her that you love her. Mighty woman of valor, put your arm around him and tell him that you're sorry. Person of valor, uh, send that person a text. Give them a call. Uh, put down that thing that is causing you sin. You, you can, you can, you can overcome these things. And um, and these gaps, we just, we just, the, there, there was a huge obvious gap between where Gideon was and leading an army. It was obvious. Some, I think, some of ours, some of ours are less obvious. Um, but it's going to take that same level of trust and obedience. If you will take this step of faith with me um, and take this next step with your family, with your friends, in your personal life, in reaching out, making a difference in the lives of people around you, if you will take this next step, you will not believe the, the really big, awesome thing that's on the other side. So I tell you, man, this has been, this has been really good. I love sharing the story with you. I mean, this is this has been a different kind of format, and I've loved it. But I've loved just being able just to kind of sit here next to you, and see and hear your passion about what this is. And I know that um, they've loved it as well. As always, we're kind of moving to our response time now. We have some some more worship. I encourage you if you'd like, uh, kind of like we do every Sunday when we're here. If you want to take communion, to go get those elements and um, and and take them as we're worshiping. And I just encourage you men and women of valor what is that step that 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 next step that may feel overwhelming right now that God is calling you to step out and take what is that next step of obedience where you can choose faith over fear let's just pray for that for ourselves and for each other let me pray